0: to Cornell's University's ProDairy podcast. In this series, we're going to be talking about COVID-19 and how dairy farmers and the industry in general have adapted to it. I'm Kathy Barrett and I'm with Cornell's ProDairy program.
1: And I'm Rob Lynch, also part of Cornell's ProDairy program. All right. Well, today we're going to talk to Joe Lawrence, our dairy forage system specialist here at ProDairy. Thanks for joining us, Joe. You want to tell everybody a little bit about uh, what it is you do?
2: Yeah, thank you. So yeah, I work with the Pro Dairy team and uh, focus really on forage management, both on the field side with the agronomics and carrying that through to uh, feed storage and feed out.
1: Great. So we um, thought this was a pretty timely topic to um, cover in the podcast series. Uh, This is really busy time of year as people start heading out into the fields for spring planting and we've got these added challenges in motion now with the pandemic going on and so there's some extra safety considerations on top of what already you know we try to think about when we're um, getting the spring planting done so you want to um maybe talk a little bit about those issues joe
2: yeah Every every year, this is a time that stresses all the all our resources from, uh, you know, the number of hours in a day that we have to work to the number of uh, tractors we have available to us to accomplish all the field work, and to the labor that's needed to do that. And it's always a stress. Um, we always, you know, encourage folks, no matter how. Uh, how daunting the task seems to just make sure that everyone's getting adequate rest, uh, handling large equipment. If something does go wrong, it can go wrong in a big way. You know, just think about uh, making sure everyone on the farm's able to get adequate hours of rest. You know, try to avoid the use of electronics when operating equipment like cell phones and stuff um try not to take shortcuts and you know keep your equipment maintained uh through the season to avoid accidents or breakdowns and then when we think about a year like this our labor resources could be taxed even further if illness strikes the farm and from there what are the resources in your neighborhood Uh, that you could think about teaming up with a neighboring farm to get certain tasks done like corn planting or custom harvesting. You know, that's a good way to try to use some of those synergies to to keep uh, the work going this spring. With the uh, COVID-19 outbreak, one thing we really need to consider is, just like every other aspect of the farm, is keeping employees safe and trying to reduce the chances of of spread of the virus. And uh, we see kind of people joking around that being out in the middle of a field in a tractor on their own is a good way to social distance. But we also have to keep in mind that oftentimes we're sharing that equipment between operators. And uh, we really wanna be taking the same steps to clean that equipment between operators, just as we would in the milking parlor or in the you know around the farmstead
1: yeah i mean these surfaces where we've got hands lots of different hands um grabbing them so you know these surfaces inside the tractor cabs and other items on the equipment that are getting touched a lot they they have to be subject to all those additional cleaning practices that we've employed elsewhere on the dairy and i know we've got an article that's coming out shortly joe a, a bulletin that's in conjunction with this podcast that has some really easy disinfectant tips to, for folks to use when they're thinking about disinfecting the surfaces in their planning equipment?
2: Yeah, uh, we tried to, you know, again, reference information from the CDC, and that'll be included in this article that'll be posted to the ProDairy website in the near future here with some of this uh, same information.
1: Yeah, and it just makes sense that, you know, if if we want folks to wipe down surfaces and, and clean their hands frequently, you know, put those supplies in the cab for them so it, the job's easy to do.
0: Okay, Joe and Rob, we've been talking about having some new employees on the farm and hiring custom operators. Are there anything that people ought to be considering in those instances in light of this COVID-19?
1: That's tricky. It's new employees coming to the farm temporarily but they're still new individuals and they may not be definitely wouldn't be up to speed on the current procedures and protocols that farms have instituted since this pandemic started and so maybe joe um we should comment on how would farms bring these folks in to and make them aware of current practices
2: yeah because it could be a combination of brand new employees it could be seasonal employees that are just returning to the operation or even a a custom harvester who is bringing their own crew to the farm. So, and I think we need to recognize that every farm has slightly different protocol in place and that even if you're returning to a farm you worked at last summer, you know, you may be looking at new protocol compared to what you're used to from a previous year. You know, certainly I think it'd be Great if you know a farm was able to just like onboarding any other new employee, make sure they're aware of the new standards that the farm is following. You know, understand that uh, these practices are for all current and new employees to keep everyone as safe as possible. And so, certainly, while it's always important to think about these onboarding procedures, uh, in this case, you know, we really may want to look at paying special attention to some of these folks that may just be coming in for this uh, specific part of the season. And when we think about custom operators, they may be bringing their own crew of people in and they may be coming to your farm uh, directly from the last farm they were providing services for. So as we think about that, certainly a a conversation with the custom operation crew, both about what sort of practices they're following in their business and how that aligns with the practices that you're following or implementing on your farm.
0: Joe, I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about what farmers might be thinking about as far as their looking at the diets that they're feeding their cows and making sure that they have enough forages and this kind of situation. Could you just kind of give us some of your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're coming out of a challenging growing season in 2019. And uh, there's varying levels of forage inventories on farm already. So it's not a guarantee coming into this growing season that we have adequate inventories uh, left from last year, and you know when we again when we think about the potential threats related to the virus and and labor for this growing season, uh, it's also helpful to think about what are your contingency plans for making sure you have enough forages. You know, there's years where we talk about this related to weather challenges, but this year it may be having adequate labor. For a, a certain portion of harvest, you know, all of our forages are important. We're always striving for the highest quality to, uh, you know, optimize those forages in our diets. But perhaps uh, in a year like this, we need to think a little differently about which crops are most important to us and what's involved with different crops. You know, our hay crop involves multiple cuttings, perhaps three or four or five cuttings a year. And if we think about the threat to labor this year, there could be greater threat because we don't know from one cutting to the next what our labor availability might be. So in, in one sense that maybe puts an emphasis on getting as much high quality forage as we can early in the year. You know, If we have a healthy labor force now maybe we try to get as much as we can. So in addition to our first cutting forages that may include considering uh, if you have any cover crops on the farm, small grain cover crops that could make a source of forage even if you weren't planning on harvesting them that way. Maybe it's something to reconsider as a strategy. Generally they're ready for uh, high quality feed about a week before our first cutting. Again, that's a stressful time of year on the farm with corn planting and manure spreading and preparing for first cutting, but it may be an opportunity to secure some extra forage early in the growing season, not knowing what'll happen later. Uh, A lot of our farms feed high corn silage diets now. So while the hay crop still has an importance in the ration, if we're really reliant on corn silage as a significant portion of the forages in our diet that may put further emphasis on making sure that we're uh, able to get our corn crop planted to assure that side of the forage equation so one of those things that's always challenging because it almost seems like every task is equally and as important so how do you prioritize them to one over the other when they all seem equally as important. And, and that is true and it is, it's always a tough call, but maybe thinking through, you know, what exactly you're feeding in your diet, what your needs are and what inventories you have can help you kind of prioritize what's, uh, what's going on and what crops you really need to focus in on the most to assure that supply.
0: And Joe, folks may be looking to reduce labor in, in their field crop operations. Do you have some thoughts on things that they might consider to reduce labor and things that they really should not be considering?
2: Well, two of our biggest you know, areas where we tend to maybe try to cut is uh, related to tillage in our planting operations. Uh, reduced or no tillage practices, are catching on more and more. There's a lot of benefits from a soil health standpoint. There's also a lot of benefits from a labor and fuel and equipment standpoint. You know, to reduce the number of tillage passes you do over a field or go out to no till, can certainly, you don't need as many tractors. Your labor hours go way down. And it can work well. And we know that no till operations can be very successful. But there are some instances where you may not want to cut corners and a lot of that has to do with this idea of a field or a soil being addicted to tillage. Generally we need to transition into no-till. On a dairy farm, first year of corn coming out of a sod is actually a nice place to make that transition to no-till as you've already had several years of no-tillage when the sod was in place. So there are times like that uh, during a crop rotation that make a nice transition. But if you have a field that's been conventionally tilled and it's been in corn for three or four or five years, if you just cut out that tillage cold turkey and go to no-till this growing season, there are some risks related to that because that field is kind of reliant on tillage to uh, loosen up the soil structure to allow the roots to develop, so we gotta, you know, we may want to be careful with old, something like that. An older cornfield that's been conventionally tilled for a number of years, that's probably not the place to start cutting back and cutting out tillage cold turkey on a year like this. Um, so it's just thinking about your crop rotation, thinking about your soils, and where you may or may not, um, you know, where you may feel like you can get away with uh, cutting back this year and some fields that you may feel like just need that, you know, you don't want to cut it out because it could end up really detrimental to to the ability for the crop to develop and the roots to uh, penetrate down into the soil. You know, the corn planter is another area and it kind of relates back to the tillage corn planters You know, really, we have the technology today where they can plant into nearly any conditions. Uh, We have people planting into standing cover crops and, you know, a lot of different variations in no-till, but the planter really has to be set up properly to do that. Looking at things like down pressure on the planter, the type of closing wheels you have, trash removers, all that kind of stuff is going to be even more important. We know we can successfully plant into different soil conditions if the planter's set up properly. But if it's not set up properly, then you can really, you know, have a, a poor outcome, a poor stand. You know, as always, it's important as you start planting a field to plant a little bit and get off the tractor and go and and verify that the seed placement is is what you want behind the planter. So just keep that in mind. and. You know, we know other areas with planting corn, we, we don't want to cut corners as we don't want to go too fast across the field unless you have a specially designed planter that's meant for higher planting speeds. But in general, most of our planters, we want to follow the recommendations and not get in a hurry and, and try to plant too fast because that'll that's another thing that'll come back to bite us. Uh, we always encourage a early getting out and planting as early as possible, but that does not include planting into mud. Uh, obviously, a year like last year, we were delayed into June and still were forced with less than ideal soil conditions and planting into mud. But if it's early in the season, yes, we'd like to take the first window of opportunity we have to plant. You know, Dr. Bill Cox, uh, retired uh professor from Cornell always said that corn planted in late May under dry soil conditions will consistently out yield corn planted in late April under wet soil conditions. So yes, an earlier planting day is better, but we want to stop short of uh, being out there in the mud trying to do that. If we have to wait a little bit longer and for things to dry out, we can still have a good performing crop.
1: Good points, Joe. I'm wondering if, I guess I assume that most Inventory for spring planting is, you know, already been ordered, delivered, and it's there at the farm, ready to go. But any concerns about any additional supplies needing to be purchased now to round out planting, or you know, last-minute changes in planting plans requiring some additional orders to be made, um, are those supplies readily available?
2: The indications from the industry right now are supplies of things like fertilizer and pest control, chemicals, and, and seed are in good supply. And uh, our retailers around the state are, have inventories prepared to service the farms. Uh, you know, we should certainly keep in mind that they're under the same stressors as everyone else in terms of reduced workforces and uh, working and putting their employees at risk as well. It's certainly something to just think about as we go into the season. Um, generally, by now, farms have already taken delivery of a lot of their pre-ordered seed. Fertilizer tends to be more delivered during the growing season. So so just keep that in mind with the uh, folks from the crop input suppliers that are, are working alongside you on the farm, that it's a, it's a stressful time on them as well, and they're going to do the best they can. And Again, the indications are that the supplies are good at this point, um, so we shouldn't have to worry there. It's still just a matter of recognizing the steps needed to actually get that out to the farm, and these guys are facing some of the same challenges as any other truck drivers or delivery folks in terms of trying to, to deliver what you need, with also minimizing contact with anyone on the farm or you know while unloading or loading product and that sort of thing
0: thank you joe this is really valuable information and we certainly appreciate you taking the time to talk to us yeah thank you we're going to finish up here now with this episode of our cornell pro dairy podcast hope you will join us for future episodes where we will be talking to other folks in the industry about how they're handling the current situation with COVID 19 so thanks very much for joining us